excited about this word today. Let's be honest. Relationships, like they have their highs and their lows. Like there's no in-between. You know, like (laughs) it's either going really well or it's not going so great. And let me just preface this whole thing by saying one thing. You might be sitting there today, and you're a young man or a young woman, or maybe not a young man or a young woman, and you're, you're, just, you're, you're staring off into the future of a marriage or a relationship. I, I want this to be something that we can all walk away with something tangibly in our lives, that it's not just, well, that's what he said about marriage. Like, this is for you, and I believe that a marriage starts now. And it started last week, no matter how old you are. Like, we've got kids back there that are five years old, and their marriage... I know like they haven't met the, you know, the one yet and all that stuff and they haven't started dating, but it starts now because the person that you're going to be, like the stuff you're going to walk into in a marriage or in a relationship one day starts like as soon as you're coherent in life, right? Like it starts then and you walk in with all this baggage and stuff from the life that you've lived up until that point and you realize that decisions you made 10 years ago are decisions that you've made for your marriage, you know, in the future, It's a big deal. Some of us have walked through that in life and we've seen maybe the consequence of a decision years ago that's affected your life more recently. It's crazy to just see the life that we live. And today, I just want to start this series and dig dig into something that God cares about you. Something I'm big on saying is that it's okay not to be okay. You may be here today and... Like, your marriage is struggling. You may be here today, and you are just, you're suffering, and you just feel so empty and drained. Your life might feel so heavy, and today, I want to, like, get the defibrillator out or something, right? I think that's the right name of the machine. Somebody's going to correct me on that if it's not right. Uh, you know, you get the defibrillator, like, get, get the beeps going, and you're, like, shaking them together, and then, like, boom, right? Like, we want to bring some life back to your marriage, Did I say defibrillator right? Like, is that the right thing? Come on, somebody's going to, like, shake their head with me and help me know I'm on the right thing. Uh, (laughs) I'm just going with it in the moment, y'all. Just going with it. I got this mind that just runs like 100,000 miles a minute. We want to bring some life back to it. And I'm not going to take the weight of that. I I believe it's the Holy Spirit that's going to speak into your life this morning. You might be sitting there, like I said, you're looking at your future and you've got all these plans and you've got, you know, the perfect marriage dreamed up, but you don't know who the person is or what it's going to look like. And today I want to give you some, some, some things to hold on to that can help you make decisions better now that's going to affect your marriage later in a much better positive way. It starts now. And I want to go back to the beginning because I think that's one of the best places to start sometimes. And if you read in Genesis chapter 1, it's in the beginning, God created video games. No, he didn't create video games then, right? Uh, In the beginning, God made iPhones. No, that was like just a few years ago. Uh, (laughs) In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We read that, and it goes through a week of God creating this and creating this, pretty much everything that you see other than, you know, buildings and electricity and some other things like that. Um, It says in this, in chapter 1, verse 31, it says, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. You ever get done making something? Like, I like to make sandwiches sometimes. Peanut butter and jelly, come on. Like, I'm not too old to have a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Uh, You know, throwing that thing together and It's not just something that I'm like, you know, like, I take it pretty seriously. I don't know about you guys and your food, but I like to take it seriously. I like things to look good. I like the the plate to look just perfect, and you add a couple things here and a couple things there. Like, it's just got to look right. 
Well, God just went on this like creation fest for a week, right? And began to create the heavens and the earth. And at the end of that week, it says he looked at everything and he said, man, I outdid myself, right? Like that is awesome. Pretty incredible moment. And I think he's doing a little bit better things than making a sandwich, right? I mean, you've got, you know, creatures and got the earth and the heavens like the sun and the moon just all of this stuff like it's a pretty big deal and I would give him a couple gold stars on his accomplishment level right but what's funny is if you go to the next chapter you kind of dig into day number six so you know you've got all this stuff that happens God creates all this stuff it's good but I'd like to to dig into day number six where he creates man and in verse 18 it says this it says then the Lord God said it is not good everybody say not good It's interesting to see that this is the very first thing in all of creation, right, that we use the words like he he made it and it was good, right? Everything he's looking at, he's taking a step back and like in awe and wonder. And then we get to chapter two where we're digging into day number six and he's created man, Adam, and he's looking at man and he's saying like, it's not good. It's kind of crazy just to dig in here. And it's funny because God, like, he's created the heavens and the earth and, you know, the stars and the moon. Like, all of this incredible, amazing, awe-inspiring stuff. And it's funny to me that God has this moment of, it's not good. I wouldn't quite say that he messed up, but it's just one of those moments where you see it and you're like, i got to tweak this and I've got to tweak that. It says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Everybody say alone. And he says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Here's the moment where we see marriage created. And so it goes on to say that God uh, put Adam to sleep, like did like the first surgery (laughs) ever recorded, right? And cuts him open and takes a rib and begins to create woman. And so then we have Eve come into the world and God has created a helper for Adam. And it leaves us to a place where God gets to the end of his week and it's good. It's amazing to see that God creates things and he makes them good, right? God creates things and he knows the original purpose behind it. That even in the, in the, the part of creating all of this stuff, he can be like, no, that's not right. And he's looking at it he's saying, no, Adam needs Eve. Adam needs a suitable helper for him. And he creates Eve for Adam. It's crazy to just see the detail in it. Honestly, there's not a whole lot of detail in, in, in this passage, right? Like there's a few things here and there's a few things there. And you could believe that this story has been passed on by generations. And so maybe you'd be like, well, it's not as right. It's not perfect. But we believe that God is, or that the, the scripture is God breathed, right? Like God spoke this scripture into someone's mind and they wrote it down and it's been passed down to us. Like that's what we believe. And so I believe when I read this, like there's specific words and it's, it's spelled out in a specific way that can help us dig into the original purpose and the meaning. And here's something that I know, is that if you look at anything in life that you would know is that God created it, you've also got to know that there's an enemy that's coming after it. And not even doing ministry, but just being in life as far as I am and just the experiences that I've experienced in my marriage and in the relationships that I've, you know, been a part of and kind of given wisdom to, I, I, I've seen one very specific thing that things that God creates puts a specific huge target for the enemy. Like, he's going after it. He's going to chase it down. And you can read in Scripture. I've got a few things for you. 
This is what it says in John chapter 10, verse 10a. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, that's, that's telling us what the devil, what Satan, what the enemy's coming after. Like, he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. But can I tell you that there's, there's this motive there that he sees the marriage bed. He sees, you know, a relationship of two people, and he knows that he can begin to put wedges there that, that leads to destruction, right? He wants to destroy what God has created to be pure and perfect, Today, maybe the best thing that you learn in all of this is knowing that if you're married or if you're walking into a marriage, if you're going to be married one day, know that the enemy is coming after your marriage. He's got you in the crosshairs, and it's decisions that you make decades before. It's decisions that you make while you're single that, that he can trip you up into your marriage, that, kid, that, that causes you to carry some baggage and junk that you're going to hold on to. There's certain things that he can do in, in your marriage as a couple that begin to put a wedge. He's after your destruction. And something that I've been preaching for a long time, and I've probably said it a hundred times already in the 20 weeks that we've been at church, is we've, we've got this expectation of what marriage and what a relationship is and what it should look like. And honestly, it's a lot of what's been spoon-fed to us by our culture. I feel like we don't have enough relationships that are real, that, that have substance, that, that have some wisdom and expertise that are out there on the front lines to be like an example, but we've got a lot of junk that's out there for us to see, that we see so many marriages broken. We see so many couples that just, it's all happy until it's not, right? And then they're like, I'm over here and I'm over there. I'm taking the kids. I'm taking the money. I'm taking the car, right? Like it's, it's, it's crazy to see what gets put in front of us, but we need better examples of what a godly marriage looks like in front of us in the world today. It's not enough. But we have this expectation of, you know, the fairy tales that we see as a, see as a child, right? We, we dream up what a marriage should look like. And let's be honest, we focus more on the fairy tale than we actually do on the end result. And something that I love to preach to teenagers, something that I love to push is like... You've got to have, like, the end game in sight. Like, I'm not just talking about, like, Avengers, right? But you, you've got to have an end game. You've got to have a plan that, that starts when you're 12 years old or starts when you're 15 years old or starts whenever you just get a chance to start and you begin planning and preparing for that marriage. But a lot of you are here and like, well, I'm already in the marriage, so what do we do now, right? We've got to have a real healthy view of what marriage looks like. Because a lot of it's been distorted. Because something like we just got to understand is I'm an imperfect person. And my wife is incredible as she is. She is a imperfect, close to perfect, but imperfect person. And when you do the addition with that, right? Like if you take imperfect and add it to imperfect, a lot of us think, okay, I'm going to find Mr. Right. And it's going to be perfect. But we take imperfect and add it to imperfect. And we think the end result is going to be perfect. And then we have a fight. And then there's yelling. And then there's our past. And then there's just a lot of stuff that just begins to seep its way into our marriage. And I know I'm really depressing everybody in here today, right? Like, you're like, man, like, why did I show up today? Like, why? This is a beatdown. But it's something that we have to understand, something that we have to know is that there is a force out there that is coming against you. 
That there's someone out there that their number one goal isn't just to get you divorced, but to destroy you and who you are and any thought that you would ever have to chase Jesus. It's destruction. But knowing that there's an enemy, knowing that there's a force coming against you, gives you a little bit of heads up. It helps you understand that you can take a step back in the middle of a fight and say, guess what? We're on the same got to know this stuff. You've got you to be able to step outside of the anger. You've got to be able to step outside of the stuff that you're struggling with and the things that you're yelling and screaming and know that the end result doesn't just need to be I win a fight, but it's something that changes inside of you. And it's not about winning for yourself. It's about winning for your marriage. Like I said, those decisions start now. Those decisions start in a dating relationship and an engagement no matter where you're at. I love this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. Jesus was questioned on marriage and even talking about the idea of divorce. And I just like what he says here in verse 4. It says, haven't you read the scriptures? And Jesus is like, come on, guys. Like, I mean, he knows they've read them. They're just trying to trip him up on some stuff. It says, Jesus replied, they re- record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. And since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's what God created. That's the marriage that, that, that God saw from the beginning. And as we allowed sin into the world, and as, we, as we're born into this world with the sinful nature, it's pretty hard to live out what God created because we're living out the culture that we live in. And we've got to begin to pray like never before that God can just seep his way into our marriage and we can begin to make better decisions and see it the way he created it to be, not just the way we've been spoon-fed our entire lives. But knowing that somebody's coming up against us kind of helps us a little bit. I've got another passage of scripture. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to start in the middle of verse 5. It says, And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. This is <laughs> Peter's talking to leaders, and he's, he's kind of laying out this little speech for him. But I, I like this, and you, you see humility is a big piece here. And then he quotes Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Like, I could just say that, and it should preach to you right there. But check this out. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Everybody say, he cares about me. This is what he says. He says, stay alert. And really, he says it like this. Stay alert. There's an exclamation mark right there. It says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Can you imagine just looking a lion like in the eyes? Like not with the bars or the, the glass case like at the zoo, right? But maybe you're at the zoo and like, they're like, everybody run, a lion's loose. Please find safety. <laughs> I'm about to cry. I've already peed my pants. Like, it is going crazy, right? People are screaming. They're running. And then all of a sudden, you look over here and you see a lion. Like, anybody got any catnip, right? You got got a chew toy or anything? No, like, you're running until you're paralyzed by fear. I mean, this is crazy, right? Can you imagine? Can I tell you that the enemy 
saying right here that he's like a lion and he's not got a full stomach. He's never satisfied until destruction happens. And I believe it's just so focused on you, the personal things inside of you, the relationships that you have. We've got to understand, we've got to realize that there's something coming against you. I remember months and months ago just planning this church and putting it together, right? We're, we're, we're trying to make it happen. We're dreaming up. We're following the vision God's placed on our hearts and in our lives. And I remember moments where, where Janae and I are like fighting about something stupid. And we just have this moment where we look at each other and either I would say it or she would say it. And we'd be like, it's the enemy. He doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't want this church thing to happen. He would love nothing more than to put a wedge in between us and this whole thing crumbles and it falls apart. You might not have the weight or the dream of a church, but you've got things you've been dreaming for. You've got a family that God has blessed you with and that you've got dreams for your family. But can I tell you that it just takes one moment. You've got to have that, that realization. You've got to have that moment to know that something is coming against you. And it, it can be manipulated. That it's anything that can be placed in your mind. It's anything that can just be in a heated moment can push your marriage or your relationship off the cliff. You might be sitting there today and you're like, man, maybe you really relate to some struggles and, you know, you'd like, you'd like to make it look like your marriage or your relationship is perfect, but there's just stuff that you're struggling with and stuff that you're fighting through and <laughs> you're fighting with each other and it's, it's not easy. But can I tell you that there's hope. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. You read this verse and you know that there's a lion coming after you, ready to devour and destroy your marriage. There's a lot of good stuff here in this verse, and I just want to kind of cover it quickly. Humble yourselves. It's talking about humility. It's talking to leaders about leading, but can I tell you that we're all in a leadership position. You're the husband, you're the wife, you've been in leadership. Sorry, sorry to bust your bubble if you never thought you were, but trust me, you are. It says, dress yourselves in humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Can I tell you that your marriage needs grace? And when you experience God's grace, you, you begin to get a taste of that. Like, you begin to give out some grace. You, you, you practice humility, you're going to see things change. One thing that has changed our marriage is some advice that I, I've been given by a mentor of mine that said, serve your wife. I'm not expecting her to serve me. I'm going to lead the way in humility. Just because I'm the leader of the household doesn't mean jack squat, right? Like the only thing I run in our house is the washing machine. It's the dryer, the dishwasher, right? Maybe the TV every now and then. I'm going to serve my wife. And can I tell you what that takes a lot of? Humility. Am I perfect? Oh, no, no, no. My wife will be the first one to tell you. But it's changed things in our relationship. Maybe today you need some more humility. The second thing is this. Stay alert. Like I said, the fact that maybe your eyes are being opened to a force that's coming against you that you've just never really placed into the equation of your relationship or your marriage, 
your future relationship, your future marriage, like just know that there's a force coming against you and the scripture's trying to give you the wisdom to say, watch out, be careful. Know that there's something coming against you. Stay alert. Watch out for that line, y'all. The third thing is this. It says be strong in your faith. Can I tell you the moments of weakness, the moments where you just feel like you have nothing left, the one thing that you've got to choose on to hold on to is faith. And it's moments like we just had during worship where maybe we're coming back to that true north. Maybe it's those moments where we realign our hearts and our minds and the things that we've been thinking. But if you can just take a moment to take a deep breath sometimes in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the craziness, in the middle of like the anger, and just have a deep breath moment and come back to the faith that you have in Christ, man, the next few weeks we're going to dig into some real just, some things that I I believe can help your marriage and, and help you and just, the relationship and what it looks like. But today, can we just dig into this one thing and know one thing is that a lot of us think our marriage needs help. A lot of us think our relationships need help. But one thing that will drastically change your marriage, that will drastically change the relationship that you have, no matter how much it's struggling, no matter how great it is, the highs or the lows, the thing that can change the most is knowing and coming to this idea that you can change you. But it takes a little bit of humility to come to the place to think, okay, you know what? Maybe there's something I can change. Maybe there's something I can do differently in my life and the decisions that I made and the things that I gotta throw out there and say because I know it's gonna hurt them, right? Like maybe, just maybe, I can begin to take this step back and look at my marriage and really not even just look at the marriage, but look at myself in the mirror and say, what are the things I need to fix? What are the things that I need to place before God? Place in his hands. Your marriage isn't broken, you are. I get so mad. I got anger problems. I'm sure somebody, maybe one person in here can relate to that. If I could tell you how many moments that I've had in my life where I'm angry and I know that I'm right and I know that the things that I'm saying are right and I know that the battle that I'm fighting right now and the battle, like the fight between my spouse and myself, like I'm right and I've got to stand on being right. But if I really take the step back and look at the situation and piece it together with a peaceful mind, with humility, knowing that there's a force coming against my marriage, but more than anything, knowing there's a force coming against who I am in Christ, I can realize that I'm an idiot and that I am imperfect and that there's things that I've got to fix inside me. And the good thing is, guess what? I don't have to fix it alone. Stop looking at your spouse. Stop looking at your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your fiance or whatever. Stop thinking about what they need to fix. Stop trying to think about what, oh, you need to work on this and you suck at this. And oh, if you could do this better, it might go a little bit better. You come to the moment of realization that you can fix you. And this goes beyond more than just a marriage, dating, relationship, but the relationships that maybe you struggle with, with coworkers, with friends, with family, is that you can't control them. 
You can't control their decisions. You can't control the things that they think, the things that they feel, but you can control you. Maybe. And that's why you invite God into the situation. That's why you invite God into yourself and you help him find your true north. He helps you find your true north, sorry. I've got a passage, I read it a minute ago. Matthew chapter 19, verse five through six, and it says, and he said, this is Jesus saying it, so you know it's extra good. This explains why man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus knows that there's a force, right? Like he knows there's something coming against you. There's something coming against your marriage, your relationship. Let no one split it apart. The funny thing is, a lot of times, I'm probably the one that's splitting it apart more than anybody else. Can we have a real moment to say, I'm broken. Being imperfect implies the fact that there's things in your life, there's things about you that don't equate to the perfect standard or the perfect level. Some of you, like, you got a lot of pride, and maybe it's a, it's a tough one to swallow. Some of you live in insecurity, and you're like, I've known that. <laughs> you're not telling me anything new. But I love the wordage here. It uses this word twice in this passage. It says joined. If you look into the original language of the text here, the word that, that is used for joined is, and I'm not going to say this right, but I'm praying that I do. It's kalao. Did I get that right, Devin? Come on. Devin knows. He's our local theologian. Um, <laughs> this is the definition of it. It says to glue or unite. Intimately connected in a soul-knit friendship. I like this. It says frequently in ancient medical language of uniting of wounds. It's powerful. I like the verbiage here. God didn't just say, hey, you're going to be together with you. <laughs> but he's looking at marriage and what he created it to be. And it's two people that become united as one. Two whole people. It's not half and half. It's not a quarter and three quarters. Two whole people. And the math equals united. It, it, together as one. doesn't just say that they fit together perfectly knit together I like talking about medical language like uniting of wounds like imagine just watching like a time lapse a very fast forwarded time lapse of an open wound just beginning to heal it takes time there's a lot of wounds that we walk into our marriage with there's a lot of wounds that you've experienced in your relationship. Can we begin to walk towards becoming united and seeing us be joined together? This morning, I'm gonna make a mess up here. I've got a blanket, right? It's about to get intimate. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I've got two pieces of two pieces of tile. They're not perfect. And I want these to represent 
man and woman. And we go through life, and even before we get to the, the first step of our marriage, we experience things. We see our parents' relationship. We see other relationships that are influential to us, and we've been spoon-fed lies of what it looks like, and we walk in life broken. The pieces are fragmented, and we have that first relationship. Some of us start a little earlier than others, right? We take on wounds and we take on the junk and the baggage from these relationships. Maybe we, you know, cross some boundaries and cross some lines and we make some decisions and it just gets worse and worse. You get older, you trust in somebody else, and guess what? walk through life broken. And then we find the one, right? We find somebody that makes us feel really good, and we find somebody that's, you know, kind of cute or good looking, handsome, beautiful, whatever you want to say, and they make you feel great and wonderful, and you're like, this is the perfect person for me. And then you get on the other side of marriage, you're like, why did I do this? And you're looking at so many pieces of baggage and junk, right? And you're like, how, does, how do we put these together? How do we live out a life joined together and we take the wounds and they're healed? How do we do this? It's heavy. How do we struggle through a relationship that we feel so dissatisfied in? How do we, how do we work our way and like, he doesn't know my love language. We'll get there, right? We'll talk about love languages in a few weeks, right? And my needs aren't met, right? And I'm so unhappy. He always says this or she never does this. And I'm so mad at them because they do this. And it's just pieces that are broken. This morning, it's, this might be what you're looking at. This might be what you're experiencing. You might have never really got into that fairy tale happiness that you just were sold on as a child, right? You expected perfect and you got way less than perfect. I love this, this passage. I love this word. It says to glue or to unite. I did some research. And not only am I using Greek today, but I'm also gonna use some Japanese. I found this, it's called kintsugi. I'm not quoting Ross from Friends, okay? Like it's not unagi. Okay, chill out, you got really excited. Um, pretty, it's pretty cool. You can see that in Japan, this is the art of taking broken pieces, broken pottery, and you repair it. And you don't just use glue, super glue that you buy at Walmart. It says, it's the art of repairing broken pottery with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. I know the ladies in the place said hallelujah, right? It's also referred to as golden repair. Today, if you can walk away with anything, if, you, if you're on the, just at the end of your rope, 
you're struggling to make it, understand and know that God cares about you. He loves you. He sees you where you're at. And my God specializes in brokenness. My God, he's like a professional at Kintsugi. And he can take the pieces, no matter how broken, no matter how small, no matter how shattered they are. And he begins to get some gold. He doesn't just get the cheap stuff, right? He begins to get gold. And he puts them back together. And if you look at the picture of these bowls. Come on. Throw that picture back up there. You got it for me. There we go. It's incredible. I mean, this is an art. Like, get home today and go look it up, right? Like, make sure you spell it right. Go look it up. And I could show you picture after picture. And it's almost more beautiful. It's almost more incredible than just a regular bowl. A regular piece of art. And I'm telling you today that you're hopeless, that you're beaten down, you're burdened by the relationship that you feel stuck in. And I'm telling you today that God can take the pieces, no matter how broken, no matter how much it's fallen apart or been busted. And he begins to put them back together in the most beautiful, incredible way. That he makes your marriage a masterpiece, something more valuable than the original piece. He specializes in brokenness. But today, more than anything, you've got to look at your own life. You've got to say, God, I'm broken. You've got to be humble enough to pick the pieces up off the ground. The lies that you've been told, the mistakes that you've made, those pieces up and you put them in the hands of the creator God that is so much he's so much more capable at putting back any relationship at making a masterpiece out of something that feels so broken he begins to put you back together but there's actually a pretty cool form of this art that I I love to see as I was looking it up you got to go see it and it was actually not just one, you know, one piece of pottery that was broken, but they took multiple pieces or two pieces of pottery and began to put them together and make something incredible. This morning, can I challenge you? Can I urge you? Can I just beg you? No matter where you're at in life, if you're looking at your future and trying to make plans, if you're in a marriage that just seems just like it's not going to make it, in humility, not expecting your spouse, not expecting the other person to make the decision, but you come before God with the broken pieces and ask him to put it back together. Ask him to do what you are incapable of doing. And I guarantee you will see change. I planned this series and called it Relationship Rehab because there's something about God and putting it in his hands and saying, God, rehabilitate, restore. And what I love to see in a restoration in in a car, in a home, when you begin to put in the hours and you put in the work, what I love to see is that normally when you restore something, you make it better than the original. That you can put the work in and see a house go from being a dump to being something incredible. You can see an old car that wasn't running, that didn't have wheels, didn't have a motor. And you begin to put in the time and the effort and put the pieces together to make something incredible. And God is waiting on you 
to begin to just say, be humble. Like, I'm ready for you. I want to fix your marriage. I want to walk in your life and help you make better decisions and make you the most incredible masterpiece you've ever imagined or fathomed. He wants to take your life, not just your marriage. He wants to take you and put the pieces back together from years ago, decisions and relationships and junk that you struggled with. And he wants to rehabilitate and restore. You just have to let him. Would you bow your heads with me in this room today? Can we have a holy moment of self-examination? It's a moment for you by yourself. If you'd say, Seth, I'm struggling in this area. And you could be single. You could have been married for 30 years. But if you're struggling, would you just lift up your hand? I want to know who I'm talking to today. I got to wait because I know there's got to be some people that are going to be more brave and more bold and more honest. And this isn't a shameful, guiltful moment. This is a moment between you and God. Thank you, thank you. Dear Jesus, I pray over each and every person in this room, united in marriage or waiting on that, God, that you would begin the restoration process. God, that they would hand over the reins, they would begin to let you have control over their lives and begin to see you put the pieces back together like never before. Help them practice humility. Help them know that there's a force coming against them that they can't handle on their own. God, I pray that you'd be with each and every marriage in this room, each and every future marriage that might be years away, but God, I pray that you begin the preparation process. God, we lift these up to you, knowing the crosshairs are focused, knowing that there's nothing more the enemy would want than to see a divorce, than to see destruction happen as people that are imperfect come together and he just begins to dig in and make them feel even more imperfect and insecure and begin to dig into the pride that they have. God, I pray all of us in the next few weeks can join in together as a church family to begin to chase after not only you and who you are, but restoration that you offer that's found nowhere else. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. And everyone said, amen. I want you to know that we pray for your marriages. We pray for each and every one of you, and we believe in you. God believes in you, and I would challenge you to make sure you're here in the next few weeks because we're going to dig in to some things I really think can help. This restoration process, it's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that you just snap your fingers and it's fixed. But it's, it's something that you continually pursue Christ. You pursue Christ in your marriage, and something is going to change. I guarantee it. There might be relapses. There might be moments where you fall backward. But he's there to put the pieces back together because he's a professional. There's no one more qualified. There's no one more capable to take any shattered pieces and put them together.
I've got some homework for you too. You guys ready? You like homework? I lost a few of you when I just said homework. Just jump back in with me, right? Here's something that I would challenge you to do this week. And each week I'm going to have just one simple, basic, fairly easy thing to do. If you are in a relationship, marriage, dating, and I'm going to even say if you're not, would you begin to pray with your spouse every day? And I know I said that you're like, oh, we've got to find time for that. And, you know, we've got to get the kids to bed early or something. And here's something that I would challenge you to do. I, I believe praying with your spouse daily has the impact to change so much in your relationship. Like, if I, if I had to boil down one thing that you could do, this is it, right? It's simple. I'm not talking about an hour-long prayer session, right? I'm not talking about, like, you got to, you know, let the kids just, you know, fend for themselves for a little bit and go pray. Like, I'm saying 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Maybe you can even up, muster up 90 seconds. And husbands, I challenge you to be the leader. And then you grab your wife's hands. Maybe it's before you head off to work. Maybe it's right when you get up out of bed. Maybe it's before you're going to sleep at night. And you look your wife in the eyes. And can I just challenge you to begin to pray for your spouse? It's going to change everything. Because can I tell you, it's a lot harder to fight with somebody that you're praying for. It's a lot harder to let some of those things nag at you when you're praying for somebody. When you're praying God's best for their life. And I tell you, 30 seconds can change everything. And if you don't have somebody you're with right now, can I challenge you to begin to spend some time praying for your future spouse and praying for yourself to be the person God created you to be all on your own. Restoration. I know it sounds basic, but who would, who would say that they can do this with me? Who would say that they can step up and, and pray? Like, even though you like, might feel awkward, you might feel like, oh, man, I don't know the words to say. I'm not eloquent with my speech. Like, man, wake up a little early and, like, jot it down. Like, write it out. You can do this. And it doesn't have to be the most eloquent prayer. But any prayer is better than no prayer. And that prayer is going to join you together. It's going to begin to glue those pieces back together. It's going to begin the restoration process that you come together in the, the presence of God. And you seek him for your marriage. 